You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast for the people of Emmaus Road Church in Sioux Falls. And this particular episode, we call these Hear and Obey. Uh, when we sit down and talk through the passage of Scripture that was just preached the Sunday before, and we are in Exodus 6 today. My name is Ryan Chase. I'm one of the pastors at Emmaus Road Church, and I'm joined by Matt Grun and Mark Christensen. Good to have you guys here. Thanks for taking some time to talk through this. I know that um, we've said this before, this is really a highlight of the week for me, mm-hmm. uh, the opportunity to sit down. Really what I think everybody in our church who is part of a huddle experiences mm-hmm. um, th- that intentional time set aside to sit down with some other believers and talk through God's word. Uh, sometimes people ask that question, when are we going to dig into scripture and have Bible study and those things? We do that in our huddles. Um, and we intentionally go back over the same passage of scripture we just heard preached so that we're not so quickly moving on. We mm-hmm. need something else. We need a different word. We really want this word to dwell richly in us. So it can might seem like overkill, a little bit to mm. keep going over and over the same passage, but um, it, it helps me to think we're just going to keep covering all of God's word, the whole counsel of God, and by going over it again and again, um, it, it just gets worked down deeper into our own hearts. So this is a rich time. Looking forward to what God has in store for us here today. I'm going to read from Exodus 6, 1 through 9. This is God's word. But the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Should we back up and start with the end of chapter 5? Yeah, it's I think that gives yeah. some context. Yeah, Starting chapter 5, verse 22, this is right after Pharaoh has made their burden unbearable by requiring the Israelites to make bricks without straw. Hmm. In chapter 5, verse 22, that transitional pivot, these verses, it begins there. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord." Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Father, thank you for your word. We do pray that you would cause it to dwell in us. Lord, these are the words of eternal life, and by your word we are sanctified. So Mm -hmm. help us now as we talk about this, that we would love you and trust you more, that those who listen to this would be edified, that you would be glorified in us in Jesus' name. Amen. So this comes as a God's answer to that question, that chapter five ended with that question. Mark, you preached that. And looking back at it, when I met with my huddle last week, we just kept thinking, oh, we can't end at the end of five. We have to keep going. We get that answer. And I thought, <laughs> that was we my should struggle. let Mark <laughs> preach that verse because yeah. it just ends with this lingering question. Moses, really not, not only questioning, but 
leveling an accusation, oh Lord, why have you right. done evil to this people? And and finally, we, we hear what God has to say for himself as we come into chapter six. I think it was helpful though, just sorry, going back a week. No, I wasn't here last week with you guys, but I think it was helpful to stop there. Yep. Um, though you want to get to the mercy of chapter six, but being able to stop there and like, these are the same kind of questions and bewilderment that sometimes we face. And so being able to like have that heavy landing, I think in chapter five was, was good. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people can relate to that. We, we, we know what it feels like to be in that place of wrestling, uh, that place of unbelief questions before the answers have come. And just to acknowledge that, I mean, it's significant that Moses spends so much time in chapter five on the difficulty of their circumstance. Mm. You think of all the other details that he passes over, doesn't say much about, you know, 80 years of his life that we don't get a lot of detail about. And look at how long chapter five is just reinforcing you will make bricks without straw and how miserable and awful that was. He he really slows down there. So it was, it was good Mm. for us to do the same. And, And now we come into chapter six with this, this answer, anything stands out to you guys just observing the text. I think also, I think Greg did, did well to, to mention that this, where this text sits in that broader context of Moses is asking questions and he's, you know, remembering that Moses is the author of this text. He, he has an honest assessment of himself in that situation. Like, I think the re, part of the reason why he is so slow in that description is trying to make the point that like, listen, when I went to God with some questions, he's showing the insanity of Pharaoh's torturous, tyrannical rule, right? Like this, the, the, yeah. the type of like deviousness that you feel when you read that text is like, okay, Moses is asking legitimate, not legitimate questions, but he's asking honest questions. And I think Greg did this well to highlight also the fact that Moses asks them to God. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he is the only one who can actually answer these questions. Now, of course, his accusations are faithless and he's, he's, he's they're questions of, almost doubting God's character, their accusations against him saying, why have you done this evil to us? Um, And what's so, what's so, man, when you just, when when you read all that from chapter five and then you hear this almost blasphemous accusation from Mm -hmm. Moses, there is a, there is a part of us and Mark, you, you hit this well in your sermon of like, okay, sure. If, if my, if you had to write, if I had to write a book that was going to be inspired by the spirit to be read for generations to come, Mm. Um, of, of Christians. I don't know if I'd want to expose my heart like that, but my Moses, moments of unbelief, right? <laughs> but, yeah. but Moses did. So we can, we can look at oh, it and, be, and learn from it, but then to hear how God responds. Um, what's just so amazing is God does not, as I think Greg also hit this wonderfully, like God does not take him out back and, <laughs> and bring him to task. Oh, man. Um, he doesn't respond even you know, think of I think of when Job made similar accusations hmm. to God um, in Job thirty-eight. Uh, God responds differently. Yeah. Um, similarly, in a lot of ways, He reveals Himself to right. Him, but it has stern. A, has a different ta- yeah. a different flavor to it. But here, all that God does is reveal Himself. He just reiterates Exodus three back to Him and gives Him Himself. So I think one thing that does there is it kind of reiterates i think we can get lost in the in the epic story that is unfolding in front of us and moses as this key character which he is right he is a key character but any thought we had or any illusion we had that moses is the deliverer the the actual hero of the story is blown away again here 
God asserts himself. And it's just, you read it, and Ryan, even when you read it that time, you're just blown away by the I wills. Yeah. The, yeah. It's not like, here, I'm going to give it my best go, Moses. You know, I hope you're with me. No, it's, I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. I mean, yeah. I'm looking at a yeah. commentator said there are four statements that God, the Lord, makes of his prior actions, right? He appeared to the, the patriarchs, established a covenant, heard the groanings, and has remembered the covenant. Those are things that he's done in the past. So I've already done stuff. So just in case you thought I was, yeah, I, I'm just now stepping in. No, I've already done these things, and those are the same things I told you back in Exodus 3. But then uh, fires off seven future acts of salvation. All of them are things that God himself will do. He will mm. bring you out. He will free you. He will redeem you. He will take you as a people. He will be your God. He will bring you to the land that he swore yeah. those same forefathers, and he will give it to you as a possession. And he seals it with this bookend of, I am the Lord. Mm. And there's just, he, he's almost, you feel like he's swearing by his own name. Like, yep. in the sense that I am God, I will do this. Yeah. And that just has such a, mm. given the context, Given all the emotional freight that's been moving on these people, of like towards a towards the end of unbelief, the remedy God gives them is what we all need. Yeah, He gives them Himself. That's right. Yeah, when Greg walked us back to verses twenty-two and twenty-three, kind of the bridge between chapter five and chapter six here, we had a uh, Moses, whether it was his you know blasphemous claim, his discouragement, his bewilderment, whatever it was, it was an act of faith to take that to the Lord. Yep, and that's the right place to take your your doubt and your discouragement and your unbelief is to confess that to the Lord and to cry out to him yeah. um, rather than complaining about him or crying out to others, yeah. Um, yeah. looking to other things to satisfy you mm-hmm. and to answer that um, hole that you have um, in your soul. And so it was a step of faith and Greg had brought out in his intro yesterday a quote from CJ and I don't have the whole quote, but pretty much he said, the wise and humble move is always to move towards the Lord, yeah. whether that's in seasons of triumph or, like we said, discouragement, bewilderment, right. whatever that is. So moving towards God in and, faith. And that's the pattern that we see in the Psalms, Psalms of lament. Mm-hmm. I think it's helpful. Hmm. It's been a help to me, and I think many people are helped to realize of the 150 Psalms that we have, 50 of them, so a, a full third of the Psalter is made up of laments. And, and that's the pattern that we see. What is it about? Lament. What makes a lament a lament? Well, it's it's pouring out grief mm. toward God in faith, and and just the fact that faith can be expressed as questions sometimes, mm. um, cries of pain, bewilderment, all of those things. Yeah, the the encouragement there is follow that example. Go to the Lord, even when you know I, I'm not right. <laughs> My thinking is not right. My heart is not in the right place. <laughs> what I need is to go before God and yeah. and and receive from him and be corrected by him. That's yeah. right. I think it's critical too, you know, just to see what Moses is doing here. He's, I mean, Moses is an expert. He's an expert storyteller. And here, remember at the beginning of chapter five, we've got to keep in mind that the, this really is at the end of the day, the story of the Exodus, especially the section that we're talking about here of the, the epic narrative of the, of God coming to save his people. It really is a collision of, of authorities and of, of gods, really. Mm-hmm. And if we remember, and if you put yourself in the position of the Israelites, they're asking the question, who is God? And, and, and who, who has the right to tell me how to live? 
and tell me how to worship and tell me how to even work. Like yeah. all this, one Pharaoh is telling us slavery, one God is promising us a land. So, and then you have that paradigm operating of who, who, who has the upper hand here. And then at the beginning of chapter five, when Moses first comes to Pharaoh, the first words out of Pharaoh's mouth is, who is the Lord? Who, yeah. who is this God yeah. that you speak of? He, meaning he has no authority here. Right. And I then, do not know the Lord. That's he right. Says in five two, and then, and then his response is, what he means is, I am the Lord, and I will execute whatever I so choose. And then to see how God responds in in, in not saying, no, here's what I'm going to do to Pharaoh to get him back and try and outmaneuver him. No, he just says, no, this is who I am. Yeah, and he's, I will do it. And he's going to do that for his people. Yeah, yeah. You know, observing the text which is usually our first step in reading and studying scripture, just what's going on. One of those basic questions is who's, who's there. Um, and I just notice uh, six, one begins, but the Lord said to Moses, and then we have a repetition in verse two, mm. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. Yeah. Um, so it, we've got God and Moses again, and, and God, in particular, God is speaking. Moses yeah. is just listening now. He's he's asked his question, his lament. He's expressed that to God. Now God answers, and God God speaks to Moses. Uh, and then in the middle of God's response, verse six, he says, "Say therefore to the people of Israel." So we have more dialogue or, or revelation from God. But this is in particular what Moses is supposed to relay on. Mm-hmm. So God's word, not just to Moses, but through Moses to the entire nation of Israel, and we know that they are. Uh, disheartened and discouraged from the end of chapter five, they basically say to Moses, get out of here. Life was hard before, but it's much worse now since you've come, so leave us alone. So God has a word for them through Moses. And then it ends, verse nine, Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel. So Mm -hmm. the bulk of this section really is just God speaking. And it's it's curious, you know, you look at it's, names are a big deal, right? Um, especially in the sense of names conveying a type of authority or relationship. That's that's why when Moses says, who should I tell the people who you are? God gives him a name. I am that I am. And, and it's interesting looking at the, the the words Moses used here, but the Lord said to Moses, so that's the covenantal name Yahweh, yep. right? And then, um, but God, chapter two or six, verse two, but God said to Moses, that's Elohim, more of a, uh, more of a generic term mm-hmm. for God. But then even going further, he says, God, it's a generic term for God, spoke to Moses and said, I am the Lord. And there again is that Yahweh, that yeah. personal name. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. And that's the Hebrew El Shaddai. This more, this, it's all, he's, what he's, I think what Moses is doing, and he says, as God Almighty, but my name is the Lord, meaning a personal relationship. Yeah. So, it's interesting what Moses is doing. He's like wrapping up all of the names of God that's been used thus far in the Pentateuch in, in opposition to the gods of Egypt mm-hmm. and showing God is not just a option, if you will. He's not just, hey, yeah, this is the God of the Hebrews and there you, you have your gods. He is the God, the yeah. God yeah. overall. And you just see this pivoting. He's the one who's revealing. He's the one who's speaking. And at the end of the day, isn't that ultimately... What we need from God, we need, I have a quote here from, from Greg. He says, in times of trials and troubles, we need to be freshly reminded of what we, most of us, already know about God, who he is, what he has done, and what he promises to do. Yeah. So all these names that are being used are all links, are links back to actions that he's done, things he's said, 
Um, so we, God is always working in word and in deed. Yeah, and here we see him speaking so clearly of what he has done, what he will do, and what he's going to continue to do for yeah. the people in yeah. juxtaposition to the Egyptian gods. Yeah, that's what God does with Moses here. And Greg helped me see this or helped Saul see this yesterday in the service, but God doesn't actually answer Moses' complaint here. Right. Um, something that Ryan's, I think, helped a lot of people in our church see um, through counseling, through, um, yeah, just talking with them is tracing the fruit to the root. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what God does with Moses here. He's like, I see what you're feeling right now and what you're complaining about, but here's what you actually need. And that's what you're just yeah. talking about, Matt, mm-hmm. is remember who I am. Mm-hmm. We need to be freshly reminded of who God has been in yeah. the past to inform the present. And yeah. so um doesn't even answer and blows them off. And I think um, in a sense, that's what, I mean, we, that's what we should help people who are babbling unbelief in yeah. is what they're expressing right now. We want to listen. We want to listen well, yeah. but we also want to be able to trace that fruit back to the root and help them. What are you thinking it's the about the only God? way we can help pull someone out of right. a trial. Yeah. Um, we can't just, listen enough to get them out of the trial. It's got to be, yeah. At at the root of the Israelites' discouragement and Moses' despair is their view of God. Yeah. And they might not see it at the moment because they're thinking circumstantially, no, the reason I feel the way I do is because I'm being forced through violent oppression to make bricks without straw. Those are the circumstances, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's possible for someone in those very same circumstances to have a heart rooted in faith in who God is and what he said he's going to do and to be going through and enduring those circumstances with joyful endurance, yeah. like James calls for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. So when you consider the fact you could have two people making bricks without straw, one person suffering physically, yes, but rejoicing in the Lord because they know God has said he's going to act and I'm trusting that yeah. versus somebody else who is turning into despair, it, it, you know, it's, it's much worse for that yeah. person mm. who's not recounting, not clinging in faith to what God has revealed. So the root of it all is, what are you thinking about God? And, and Mark, like you're saying, so often in our own circumstances, we, we don't first go there in our minds to think, you know, the root of all my problems right now is I'm, I'm not <laughs> believing true things about God. Because right. confessionally, if somebody stops you and you know, gives you a theology test, you could pass it, you could answer all the right things about God, but functionally in that moment... We, we tend to forget yeah. and, and we don't necessarily see the connection. What does, what does the character of God have to right. do with these present circumstances I'm in that are so hard and I just want God to solve and, and fix these problems and whatever. So the fact that was one of the things that struck me in Greg's sermon yesterday when he just made that point, God does not say anything new mm-hmm. to Moses here. That's right. Yeah. Just kind of this mind blowing Whoa! Because how often do we? <laughs> I need a new revelation. Yeah, I, yeah. I need something. That, yeah, I, something I mean, specific. I, I know what Philippians four six says. Do not yeah. be anxious about anything. Or James or, one. I know what James one says. Mm-hmm. Count it all joy when you face trial. But I, I, it's just not working for me. I right. need something else. I need some other mm. uh, therapy or remedy or whatever else. Mm. You know, it's, it's so easy to think that. Like, yeah, God's word is nice, but it's just not cutting it for me right, right mm-hmm. now. And it, it, I think you guys are exactly right. I think. What, and Moses even says it here. The thing that the Israelites needed was not a change in circumstance, right? Because that, And that's what they wanted, and that's exactly why they don't believe, right? That, that's what Moses says at the end of 9. Moses spoke all these wonderful things that God had just said, and which he'd already said from chapter 3 and 4 and 5 and on and on, but they did not listen to Moses. And I think Moses, again, I think there's a shepherd 
pastor behind very, Moses. Yeah. Where he just says, they didn't hear wise. it. Why? Because of their broken spirit and their harsh slavery. So they, they the, the weight of their circumstances has so clouded their view of God that they cannot hear this direct. And, you know, you also think also from a grace of God as, as he's teaching these people, God is not dropping into the nation and declaring over all of them personally, here's what I say, I am the Lord. He's talking to Moses and saying, Moses, sorry, you go tell him. And there's this mediation that's already happening that is forecasting something, right? It's forecasting the fact that God is going to reveal himself in another person most fully, that yeah. who then mediates himself to us. So right. when we are reconciled to Christ, who is the full revelation of God, we are reconciled to the Father. And then, Ryan, as you were just saying about how, um, yeah, I know <laughs> I know Colossians 1, or sorry, uh, I know James 1, I know Philippians 4, I know all these things about suffering, but I need a clearer word. Well, Hebrews 1, and we have a much clear, the fullest depiction, the fullest revelation of God is yeah. in the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. The word became flesh. And so if we have problems with James and Philippians as being not enough, then ultimately we're saying we have problems with Christ because he's not enough. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is our circumstances begin to outweigh our ability. And so what God is graciously doing is giving them, as he has been this whole time, trying to pull them their perspective out outside of their circumstances and say, look at where I sit. Yeah. I sit on all of this. Mm. And I'm going to rule, and I'm about to do stuff. And That's so, good. when they, when that, when the plagues start coming, and God begins to act in in really dramatic ways, they should, if they're if the, the believing faith, if yeah. faith is being, they're paying attention. If they have <laughs> believing eyes, they can start to see, not just hear, yeah. but see the wondrous works. This of is God. the Lord. That's yeah. right. And, yeah. and then, in juxtaposition to the Egyptian, just lame gods, right. Um, and so really, I mean, like you said, Ryan, the difference ultimately is faith. Like, yeah. do I have eyes to see? Because God is not just speaking, he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he's not just doing, yeah. he's speaking. There's so much insight there for us mm-hmm. in in our fight of faith. Uh, it only benefits us if we're trusting. Mm-hmm. So everything that God says is true, and Israel's unbelief does not negate the fact that he is the Lord. Yes. You know, their unbelief does not change his status, his power, who he is, mm. what he plans to do, but it does affect uh, their own experience right. of that. Right. So do these promises from God function for them? That depends on whether or not they believe. It, and that's what we personally experience. You know, the, a, a promise from God, we can turn to his word or, or a, a brother or sister in Christ can share some truth from God's word with us, and it can just fall totally flat mm. if we don't believe it. So the fact that mm. God in his wisdom, as he cares for the souls of his people in his timing, he knows what they need to hear. Of yes. all the things that he could have sent Moses to tell them, he sends Moses to repeat the message he already told them, which is, I'm the Lord, I'm going to deliver you. That's the promise. Which is Trust a mes- that. Which is a message yeah. that he didn't just say a couple chapters ago. It's reminiscent of something he told their forefathers, right. Abraham, yep. centuries prior. Yeah. So it, it's it, you know this is what I mean by the big picture of God is like God is graciously working in their hard circumstances and trying to show them the four, five, six D chess that he's been playing from the very beginning yeah. of Genesis fifteen, <laughs> saying you're going to suffer for a while and then I'm going to pull you back out and I'm yeah. going to show just reassuring them I know what I'm doing right I have a plan I have yes. a purpose I'm good I'm for you and this feels Trust that this feels 
hard. Yeah. Right. And it is. And we like, know how that feels. Yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah. It, it's like it's like the you know taking a two year old to the dentist. All they feel is pain. All right. they feel is how. There's no way this is for my good. And as a parent trying to describe to them, well, no, if you, you understand plaque and, you know, it's good for your teeth. This, kind of, this is why we do this. No, that does not compute, at least yep. for my two-year-old. Just discomfort. So, yep. but what ultimately is, does my, does my two-year-old trust me and mm-hmm. my, my direction and my care? And I would not ask him to do something that is for his bad or yeah. for the wrong. Um, does that outweigh his pain he's experiencing? And that can only happen through mm. stuff I've, you know, been true to him. I've, yeah. I'm his dad. I've proven there's, faithfulness. There's yep. faithfulness. Yeah, it's it's a warning to us that harsh circumstances hmm. and broken heartedness. Hmm. Watch out. Hmm. That that is a recipe for unbelief. Um, it, it it's not a guarantee of unbelief, certainly, but it's a recipe for it. In hmm. those circumstances we are prone to not listen that's right. to God's word. And so that's when we have to be especially on high alert, recognize, oh, I'm in the midst of harsh circumstances. God's word might sound really distant and dull to me. I, I need to take extra care to pay attention and hmm. put, you know, set my mind, hmm. meditate on the truth of yes. God's word. My heart, I'm brokenhearted. So don't be surprised if God's promises come along and they just it doesn't feel like they're working. Don't yeah. go by your feelings. That's go right. by the truth of, no, this is what God says yeah. to you. So I, I just think that those verses at the end, that, that one verse, mm. that, that's, that's gold. I mean, it's yeah. just so instructive to us. Yeah, we get an example of um, someone going through trials and hardships and coming out still believing and having a new lens to see his circumstances in the world around him. Um, in the life of Joseph, we've been going through Genesis over the last couple of years in our MC, we've just had the time to do it. And so um, it was fascinating when Greg brought up the point about the Lord going ahead of his people to provide for them because he loves them. That's the exact discussion we had on Wednesday night uh, from Genesis 45, where Joseph now reunited with his brothers is able to say, the Lord sent me before you to provide for you, to preserve life, to preserve remnant on earth. And so we see that all the way throughout scripture is God is, He's either providing promises or people to show that, hey, I'm going to deliver you, or here's this person who's going to deliver you. That's yeah. pointing towards yeah. Christ coming, yeah. the incarnation. We're going to celebrate that soon here for Christmas, and yep. yeah. we're anticipating the salvation that's going to come later, but here comes our deliverer. Yeah, yeah. And, and Matt, like you've been reminding us, uh, God works through word and deed. Yeah. He speaks and He acts, and just observing how He works is also instructive for us in our own lives. Uh, I, the answer God gives to Moses in chapter 6, verse 1, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. You know, it, it, it's so understandable, right? It's so easy to put ourselves in Moses' shoes or the, the shoes of the people of Israel thinking, why in the world? If God sees our suffering, he mm. knows our agony, mm. why would he act in such a way that suddenly the heat got turned up even more, like life just got more difficult mm. for us, more miserable. And, and God's answer is, this is just the way I drew it up. This, right. <laughs> everything is going according to plan. Now, <laughs> now you, you shall see. see. And yeah. it just, it indicates to us, and we need to remember this all the time in our own lives, God clearly loves cliffhangers. Mm. He, he loves to bring things right up to the brink mm. and then work and display his glory in the most remarkable ways. Yeah. So he's he's going to set the stage. He's going to author the story yeah. in such a way that he makes himself more fully known. And and just remembering, this is something, it's only satisfying by faith to know um, 
that God wants us to know him and he can write the story in such a way that it's actually better for us to have gone through that extra misery and then experienced <laughs> deliverance in that way. That, that mm. is happier yeah. uh, for us. It is well, it's just more a, joyful for us than to not have seen God right. work in that way. It just feels, it just feels deeper, right? There's a, there's, man, we're watching, we were just talking before we turned the mics on of the Vikings game yesterday. And even like we, I, I was one of the, the, the few that turned it off at halftime because <laughs> I was just like, can't do this anymore. Same here. I'm going to do something you, more productive. Uh, but then Alex Qualman and I, he was helping me in my basement and we both kept getting text after we were like, what is going on? We need to, so people are saying, this is the craziest game ever. So we ended up watching the overtime. Uh, and wa- so all of a sudden we see, oh gosh, it's, we're going to overtime. How did that happen? Because uh, when we turned it off, it wasn't close to overtime. And then we watched the, watched the overtime where some crazy stuff happened in itself. Um, and then all of a sudden you say, all right, let's go back and watch the end of regulation. Knowing the ending was yeah. one thing. And then watching it play out, you're like, how on earth yeah. did this mm-hmm. happen? So that when you get to that final couple plays, when something crazy happens, you're like, you're, it's, that's that up to the brink feeling you're talking yeah. about. Like this, this feels impossible. It, this feels unimaginable. And, and there is a joy yeah. in that, that is impossible no. yeah. without the very real possibility of total loss. Yes. So as Vikings fans, uh, you know, we often say things like, why can't we just win by blowouts? Yes. Wouldn't that be nice? Actually, I mean, sure, it's nice. Yeah. But a game is, it's way more boring as a fan Mm. to watch a blowout. It's over, it's over, you know, early in the third quarter. Like being a Man City fan, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just boring. (laughs) But living through it, you know, like how many of us said, they nearly gave us heart attacks yeah. over and over and over through that. You get to the end though, and you just go, that was one of the greatest games I've ever witnessed. I think of like the Minneapolis miracle yes. when the Vikings beat the saints, if, same thing. Like we're going to lose. There's no time left. It's right. impossible. Defeat is imminent <laughs> and unavoidable. And suddenly th- the most impossible yeah. touchdown occurs. And, and you just think that's one of the greatest plays I've ever seen. Right. And the joy and exuberance and release of, all right. of the anxiety and everything. It just, there's nothing like it. So to believe that by faith, to know God means to deepen our joy mm-hmm. and he knows there is a greater quality of joy yeah. for people who have suffered and been delivered than for people who never experienced any suffering at all right. and therefore no deliverance. Right. And those are the type of things, those games, those plays, those those are the type of where, where victory is snatched out of the jaws of defeat. Yeah. Where those are the games that you will talk about Yes. Forever. Yes. I remember where I was when I was yeah. in your living room and my Adeline was like <laughs> t- like a couple weeks old. and The Minneapolis Miracle? Yeah, when the, with the yeah. Minneapolis Miracle. I remember thinking like, I can't wait to tell her about this someday. Yeah. And uh, the joy that we... And those are the... So yeah, what I'm pointing to is though is like there is a longevity to those that, you know, I don't remember half the other games that, you know, even the ones we win by a bunch. So that is... And I think that is a God-given... When he means to communicate himself... He's communicating himself in the fullest sense yes. of his deliverance so that we can tell the coming generations, look what God has yes. done. Not, not look what we did. Not look at, wow, Moses, what a great guy. He just saved those people. Not even in the people like, oh, there was an up, uprising. They rebelled and they forced That's their right. way out. No, God came in, got to work, and then he mm-hmm. points back to this event over and over yes. and over again to show, don't you remember when out of Egypt I pulled you with a mighty arm? Mm. Uh, that That's... 
That's what we need in difficult times. Yeah. And to bring this back to the Vikings game, sorry, we're going <laughs> to turn Always. this into a sports podcast. But um, I was watching the post game interview with the head coach, and he had just reminded his players in the locker room, saying like, "Hey, the victory is sweet, but remember, like, when we were faced with adversity, time after time after time again in that game, that's where we stepped up and like, obviously in a very like pull up your bootstraps, um, pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of thing, but." that's where strength comes to face those things in the future, you know, future games, playoff games, yeah, whatever. Adversity. Um, so that strength comes, we're always reminded of the deliverance in the end, but don't forget about all the strength that the Lord provided while you're going through that valley. Right. Um, yeah, there's no shortcut. Before deliverance there's no comes. shortcut to the end. Yeah. And, and I think just to end on this note that, you know, using the, the Vikings, it's a great illustration for this point that we see in, in Exodus 6. And as a sports fan, you just don't have any guarantee that your team's going to pull it out. So when you're watching it, you're thinking, it'd be awesome if they do win, but I have no guarantee that they will. The difference is with God, we just know he always wins. Yeah. Always. Yeah. So he loves cliffhangers, and he always pulls out the victory. Mm. And he's that same God for us. And so we might be looking at our own circumstances thinking, yeah, but I don't see how, and I don't know what he's doing here. But you have the assurance, he is the Lord. Yeah. He always wins. He always yeah. delivers. He always cares for his people. And it might not happen in the time we think it should or mm. the way we think it should, but we have that assurance. Like, I know how the game ends in th- this game, yes. my life. He wins, yeah. and I will mm. praise him forever mm. with a joy in the wondrous works he performed that is incomparable. So mm-hmm. what, a, what a text, man. I, Exodus is. I think this happens every every book of the Bible we preach. We get into it, and it's just richer and deeper than any yeah. of us knew, and we love it. Yeah. Wow. And to think of preaching this book at any higher level than what we're doing, like you know, just well, let's just focus on the the morality of of the Exodus story. You no, know, the fact that this is the book God has given us um, in every yeah. word, every detail, every all of it is to the aim for our edification and to reveal Himself to us, so that we might say, that's the Lord. Yeah. Look at what he's done. Yeah. Yeah. He will be known as the Lord. Mm -hmm. And this has been edifying. Thank you, guys.